How's it going, everyone? Back again with the Man of Experience. This is your host, John the Don. Today, we're going to be talking about why adversity is such a great thing for us as men. Adversity is one of the things that will always be in your life. It's something that you're going to face day in and day out, but there will be times where that adversity is greater than others. There's no adversity greater than the challenges of having to pay for rent, weekly groceries, gas, you know, if you don't have that money to make that payment. And there's really no kind of adversity that you're going to experience until you have to finally provide on your own. The first time that you're going to face a lot of adversity growing up uh, is going to be, you know, parents, coaches, friends putting you down for whatever dream or idea that you may have. And they're going to tell you that, oh, that's stupid. Oh, you can't do that. You know, you're not smart enough to do that. You don't have that kind of uh, ability to do that. There's a lot of people who can make a living off telling you what you can and cannot do. And I think that that's a very dangerous mindset to fall into uh, in telling other people what they can and cannot do. Because a lot of people become limited in what they think that they can accomplish based on the beliefs of others that are around them. There's this preconceived notion that, well, this person said that I can't do this, so therefore I will never be able to do it. And some people, it's different. Or some people, when they're told that they can't do something, that's the number one thing that will drive them to go even further and prove to that person that not only can I accomplish this thing, I'm going to shatter all expectations And blow it out the water. And the purpose of being a man is to be that second person. The attitude of that second person is one in which they know that they're going to experience adversity. They know that it's going to be a struggle, but they're still going to fight through it. And they're still going to try to find a way to make it work, to make it happen. And not only that, but I think that The great thing about adversity and the great thing about struggling at a young age or struggling when you're a teenager and you're just starting to begin your your journey on your path to becoming a man is facing adversity and failing and having to see what it takes to really succeed. And then you'll start to have an understanding of why it's so important to fail and why it's important to not be good early on. And why it's important to have to try and try and try again until eventually you get it. Because then it gives you that understanding later on in life. When you do face other challenges, you know that you can accomplish it. But it takes time. And I think, you know, I've known a lot of people when I've played tennis uh, growing up. There's been a lot of people who have been very successful uh, from a very young age where they were the best in their age group in the 10s or the 12s. um, And they end up, you know, succeeding very well early on, but then they get burned out by the time they reach the 14s, 16s, and the 18s, and they're not even going to college. To Well, they don't play for college. They may go to college but to do the school, but they don't want to play on the tennis team because they're burned out um, because either their parents put so much pressure on them, the coaches put pressure on them, or they – just got tired of it because they weren't winning at the same level that they did when they were in the tens uh, and experiencing that same level of success. And for a lot of people, that's a very difficult 
kind of adversity to have. And I think that if you look at the careers of a lot of the greatest players or the greatest sportsmen, you will notice a, a very st- uh, distinct pattern in that all of them at some point in their life were not, obviously they weren't the best at their sport, but um, they may not have always been the best even on their team. They may have been, you know, someone who uh, wasn't even good enough to be on the teams that they were playing for. And not only that, but you, you'll notice a pattern of struggle and you'll notice a pattern of there were times in their lives where they failed and they had to overcome that adversity in order to become the best. And I think no example is greater than that of Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan is arguably the, the greatest basketball player of all time. And there are some debates over him versus LeBron, but for now, and I think what most people would still attest to and still agree, is that he is the greatest of all time. And he had a very interesting background uh, growing up. You know, he played basketball. Um, growing up, he played basketball, and he was, you know, you'd assume the guy, because he is considered the GOAT, because he won six NBA titles, because he scored over 30,000 points, has one of the highest points per game in the NBA, tied with another great player, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, you would think that because of all these different things, because of all those MVPs that he won, that he must have been a great, great player, a standout player all the way throughout his uh, career, you know, through college, through high school, through middle school, whatever it may be. The fact of the matter is, is that that's not actually true. Michael Jordan, yes, he was a standout player in North Carolina um, in college. But in high school, very interestingly enough, Michael Jordan uh, didn't even get on his high school team, I believe, until his junior year. And he was scrapped from the team and was only, he was 5'11", was told that he was too short to play at the level and that he was told that he lacked the skills. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball of all, player of all time, was cut from his high school team. And I think that that's quite a very shocking thing if you've never heard that. And I know a lot of people know this, and this is a fact. But you know, imagine what that coach is thinking today. The coach that cut Michael Jordan, what in, is going through his mind right now? At the time, obviously, it was the right decision, probably in his mind. He probably felt that Jordan was too short or that he didn't have the right skills to play. But think about that. I mean, think about from that coach's perspective, he's probably getting clowned by everyone uh, for making that decision. But as it turns out, that decision is probably the great, and I'm I'm sure Michael Jordan would agree with this, it's the decision that forever uh, impacted his basketball playing career for the better. And I think Jordan would say that that had a big uh, push and gave him the motivation to become one of the best players ever. Maybe Jordan didn't realize then, but, uh, and I'm sure at that time when Jordan was told that all these things, I'm sure he, he must have been very upset. And it must have made him so frustrated, angry, sad, depressed. All these different emotions that we go through when we have adversity in our lives. And the, one of the things that Jordan said, and I think this is a great 
point right here um, about this was that he said whenever he was working out and he got tired and figured he ought to stop, he would close his eyes and see the list in the locker room without his name on that list. And that usually was what it was what it took to get him going again. Jordan said that I can accept failure, but I cannot accept not trying. That I think is one of the great um the great quotes from him. And there's um also one more really incredible quote that I think speaks volumes about the kind of person and the mindset that Michael Jordan had because he understood what adversity meant to becoming the greatest of all time. He understood that all the path, the, you know, the path that he took to becoming the greatest player of all time was not necessarily a straight line to the top or straight shot to the top. In fact, it often was a roller coaster with valleys and mountains. And I think that that's something that a lot of guys need to re- remember and understand is that when you're on this journey to manhood, there's going to be times where you will feel the most confident, the best you'll ever feel. You'll have great money, great success, you know, great cars, great physique, all these different things. You might have a great woman that's around you that's, you know, fitting into your lifestyle and is doing the things that you want her to do. And I think that that's, you know, that's what we all look to attain. That's our goal, our end mindset is we want to get to that level. But I think that we also have to remember that it's unrealistic to assume that in, you know, one, two, three years down the line that it's just going to end up like that. We all need to recognize and understand that there will be adversity along the way. We're all going to have moments of doubt, moments of fear, moments of pain, moments of turmoil, sadness, anger, depression, frustration, all these different emotions we're going to experience. And there's going to be times where it's going to be difficult to want to get out of bed. It's going to be difficult to want to have to go into work. It's going to be difficult to want to have to, you know, go into the gym. And when you've already done eight hours of work and you've already put in all the time and you just want to sit and lay down on your couch and just, you know, chill out. There are going to be times like that in our life. But it's how you handle and put that in perspective you need to think about a time in which someone told you you can't do it. You need to think about a time in which someone said that you're not valuable, that you're not important, or that your idea is stupid, or that your idea could never happen. You need to think about that moment. and Think about the feelings that you felt. And you need to let that become your biggest driver, your biggest motivator. You need that to be the number one thing that pushes you further than anything ever could. Further than any coach could ever push you. Further than any parent could ever push you. You need to have something that pisses you off to the point where you do not care anymore about anything else. And that you will go to war with yourself. Competing with yourself to be the best. Because that is what pushes you the most, is to prove them fucking wrong. Prove that motherfucker wrong. Jordan, who went on to win six NBA titles, did not have an instant success story in the NBA. Michael Jordan had to struggle, had to deal with adversity. 
going on to that Chicago Bulls team, his rookie year, he was clearly the best player on the team and clearly one of the top players in the NBA, even from a young age. However, it did take him many playoff defeats, many tough playoff defeats, uh, early in the you know first round, second round, ending up having to deal with one of the most notorious NBA teams of all time in the bad boy Detroit Pistons uh, for a couple of years in a row there where he took very hard defeats to that team where they really clamped down on him and uh, put the work on him. And, I mean, it took him grinding and grinding and having to get even better and, you know, becoming a better leader on the team uh, in order to beat those very difficult Detroit Piston teams. And then, you know, he went on to become the greatest player uh, and, you know, become one of the best teams of the 90s. And that Bulls team went on to win six NBA titles, but, uh, you know, three in a row, two years where Jordan wasn't in the league, and then three in a row again. And... I think that speaks volumes to the the level of success that Jordan had, but I think it also speaks, you know, to the amount of pain and turmoil that he had to overcome even during that streak, during that span of, you know, where he won the six titles for the three uh, in the in the early nineties and then the three near the end of the nineties. You know, he had to retire uh midway through you know, after that third, that third title, uh, when his father was murdered, you know, dealing with all the mafia stuff, you know, and um, that was a big, big moment in his life for sure. And there's, you know, rumors about Jordan had the gambling problem and gambling debts that caused his dad to get murdered and all that. And you know, that's that's another story. But you could tell what kind of a person his dad meant to him and that must have been a very challenging time of his, in his life and he went on to play baseball for a few years and then he came back to the NBA and then he you know had a tough loss to the Orlando Magic Shack uh, team in 95 and then went right back at it 96 97 98 and won three incredible titles including in uh, one of those series in 98 against the Jazz having, you know, the flu in one of those finals games that was a very critical game and ended up, you know, eking it out and just struggling and feeling like he wanted to basically quit. And I, I don't know. I don't know what that must have felt like for him. Probably felt like he wanted to quit at many different times, but he knew he couldn't because it, was, it meant so much to his team to play. And he went out and he played and he dropped 40 points and was just huge for that team. And uh, huge for the Bulls to overcome the, a very strong Jazz team with Carl Malone and John Stockton. Jordan also said this, and I think this is the quote that most people will remember from him and the one that I think will stand out and be a part of his legacy forever. He said, I've missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game's winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Jordan is the epitome of overcoming adversity. Jordan is 
I think one of the greatest examples of a man who had a passion, had a purpose, had a drive. He knew what his calling was in life, and it was to be the best basketball player ever. And Jordan, you know, went out and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And there were times where, you know, it was tough and it was challenging. The times when he had to deal with the bad boy Pistons, the early playoff losses to these other teams, you know, dealing with the death of his father. There were times when Jordan had to struggle. And those struggles made him a stronger person. They made him a better person. They made him a much more hardened person. And I can guarantee you that any player in the 90s would tell you and would say and would speak volumes to how incredible of a player Michael Jordan was. And you can hear that and see that even in the players that have you know retired from that era, they all talk about how Jordan is by far the best ever. And that it's not even a comparison between any of these other eras. Jordan is, in their minds, clearly the best. Even what LeBron's doing, even what Kobe did, what Steph has done, you know, and some of these guys in the past, Magic, Bird, Shaq, Kareem, Wilt, Russell, all of these different guys, Hakeem, Tim Duncan, they just don't stand up to the greatness of Michael Jordan. And I think that if it weren't for Michael Jordan's high school coach cutting him, we may not have the same Michael Jordan that we have seen today. And I, I, I can guarantee you that we wouldn't. And the reason why is because it very clearly held a big weight over his shoulders. Even into his NBA days, he still was able to use that moment in his life to his advantage. And I think that that's very important and very incredible thing. So, I, again, guys, I, I want you to think about how you can utilize adversity to your advantage. And I want you to think about a time in your life where someone told you you can't do it. I want you to think about a person in your life that has ever doubted you because I guarantee you there's going to be people in your life today tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, 10 years down the line that are going to doubt you. What I need you to do is I need you to use these people as fuel. Use them as motivation and let their words let their words ring in your head and keep them there. Keep them in the back of your mind because you may need that motivation to prove them all wrong. You need the motivation to prove them wrong because that is your calling. You want to become a man, you should prove them wrong. That's what men do, prove people wrong. It's not about caring necessarily about what they say, but it's about wanting to fucking prove them wrong. Proving them wrong is what will make you a better person. But do so with a smile. You know, you should never hold it. I don't think you should hold it against them long term unless they have clearly been of detriment to you or they've disparaged you. I don't think you should hold it against them long term 
because I think that people are capable of changing. However, you should not look to try to implement them into your life if they've doubted you to that level. Failure is something that I think, again, and I know we talked about it, we've mentioned it before. Failure is, in my opinion, I think it's okay. I think guys are afraid of failing, and I think that's a lot of the reason why, as a guy, you see so much um, where guys just aren't even willing to go talk to girls, or guys aren't even willing to go and make that proposal happen, or they're not willing to go act on their business idea that they have, or they're not willing to, you know, just just go and put themselves out there because they're afraid of what could go wrong instead of thinking about what could go right if it does work. And guys have a natural proclivity towards risk-taking activities, but I think more and more young men today are struggling with that aspect of their life. And I'm not saying that you should take the risk that your shady friend or your shady, you know, relative has and go ahead and put down a sizable portion of your income or your money into their idea. My point is that if you truly believe in something and you have that confidence that it can work, then you should go for it. You should absolutely go for it. And even if you don't have 100% confidence, like when it comes to talking to women, a lot of guys struggle with talking to women. Just because you don't have that confidence and that skill or that thing doesn't mean that you should ignore it entirely because there will be times in your life where you're going to need that thing to come through, where you're going to need to be able to do that thing. And if you can't do that, then there's no way that you're going to be able to succeed. If you can't fail today, how in the hell are you going to succeed How do you plan on succeeding two, three years from now if you can't even do it or you can't even fail or you've never even tried to fail? It's like you have to try to fail in order to try to succeed. Like, I, I don't understand it. I think guys do get so caught up in the idea that they have to be perfect from the first time. Nobody fucking says you have to be perfect the first time you do something. I think that's such a ridiculous standard that is so impossible to be to be able to hold yourself to. Nobody is a, a you know, nobody when they start is going to be great at something. It's just it's such an unrealistic expectation, and I I cannot understand for the life of me why it's been programmed into our minds to think like that. It's like we just all assume you know because. Because we have such a short attention span and because we have um, less of a, a mindset for dealing with adversity or failure, I think that we're naturally just more averse to when we're bad at something, not wanting to you know, try to keep pushing through it and figure it out and how to learn and become better at something. And I think that's why a lot of guys give up on a goal that they may have, or they may never even attempt it because they're so worried about what could happen. For me, this, I think, is something that I would like to put in that category of adversity. I know that, really, I'm not, realistically, I'm not a great podcaster today. I may not be a good podcaster a month from now. I may not be a good podcaster a year from now. But I think that if I fail at this enough times, if I learn from my mistakes, if I keep practicing at it, you know, who knows, maybe 
thousands of podcasts from now, I'll be an, an unbelievable podcaster. But I think because I've never attempted this, because I've never done this before, this is something that's very new to me. This is something that I don't have any experience with. I don't have experience with um, the editing. I don't have experience with the audio levels. I don't have experience with a lot of these different things. And so it's all going to be new to me. It's all going to be something that's very foreign. But it's something that I think that if I can use what I've learned in other sports that I've played where I've had to struggle like tennis, where I've had to deal with adversity, um, I think that if I continue with this, with a positive mindset and a positive attitude, I can learn how to make these podcasts very entertaining or very uh, insightful or informative. And I think it's something that I can do a good job at. Not a great job, maybe not even an excellent job. But I think if I can learn how to do a good job, then I can begin to learn how to do a great job. And then if I can learn how to do a great job, I can learn how to do an excellent job. So on and so forth. And I think that's the mindset that guys need to have is how can I fail less? How can I put myself in a position to succeed? What is it that I can do? What are the steps that I can take to help myself, help my chances? Okay. And, you know, one of the a great example for this topic, talking to girls, all right? Guys, if you've never made an attempt to talk to a girl, there's something you need to know. You need to look at yourself in the mirror first. How do you look? What is your appearance like? Okay, because that's the first thing that you're going to be judged on by her. And not only that, you know, okay, for yourself... When you look in the mirror, you know what you look like subconsciously. You kind of have an understanding of your own appearance and how other people treat you or how people will look at you. So if you know that people are already judging you based on the way that you look, there's a little bit of doubt that's going to be in your mind when you do attempt to go talk to people or when people talk to you. You're going to have that feeling or that, that subconscious in your mind that maybe people are judging me for how I appear or how I look. So if you know these things... And if we do know these things, then what are things that we can control for? How can we make this better? Well, number one, we can get in the gym. We can start working on our physique. Number two, we can work on our appearance. How can we get a better hairstyle? How can we stay with a good haircut? Let's say consistently get a good haircut, okay? Because getting a haircut once every six months, four months, having really long, raggedy hair, you know, some people can pull it off, but guys, a lot of you, I'm telling you, long hair is not the look for you, okay? Um, you know, having good hygiene when it comes to your teeth. How do your teeth look? Do you smell good? What kind of clothes do you wear? What kind of shoes do you wear? How do you, you know, how can you purvey the best image of yourself? How can you, you know... It's like if I know that I'm going into war, okay? If I know that I'm going to go into a battle on, and I'm going to go onto the battlefield, do I want to make sure... I, I'm, I'm just saying that if this is a life or death situation, if I'm going to war, all right? If I'm going to battle and I know and I have... Let's say I have a year to prepare. What am I going to do? What am I going to work on? Okay, I'm going to make sure I have every survival skill set down to a T, 
okay, I'm going to work on all these different things. I'm going to learn all these different skills. I'm going to fail in the practice because it's going to matter when it really happens a year from now. Not only that, when I do get to that point a year from now, okay, if I'm going to war, I'm going to make damn sure that every single one of my tools that I bring with me is working and is functioning, okay? I'm not going to go to war with a fucking machine gun that's got a broken, you know, lever or a broken trigger or it's jamming every time. I'm not going to use, I'm not going to go to war not knowing if my weapons work, okay? And that's what I think a lot of guys are doing is that they're going into these situations where they're talking to a girl and they just, they don't have a good appearance. They don't convey a strong personal appearance of themselves. And I think, again, it's hard to convey confidence if you don't look the part. It, I think it really is. And confidence, of course, is sometimes it's just about not giving a fuck. But I think at the same time, confidence also comes quite often from how you appear, how you look. And if you look raggedy, if you look out of place, if you look out of character for a guy, you know, you're going to really decrease the chances of success. And I, you know, I think a lot of guys need to understand what that means for adversity. Okay. So tying this back to adversity, it's like, if you know that you need to, and I don't think, and I'm going to say this now, I don't think that there's ever a specific time that you should be trying to get a girlfriend or that you should be trying to get a girl. Because realistically, it's just, it's at various times in your life, it's going to happen. And the thing that you need to do if you want it to become a more frequent thing is you need to improve yourself, your appearance, your physique, you know, your teeth, your hair, your clothes, how you look. What is it that you convey to the other party, to the other person? And I think if you do those things, you'll have a much easier time converting on opportunities. Um, But not only that, you know, an easy way to convert on opportunities is just to fucking go cast a wider net. Guys, sometimes cast the smallest net possible out when it comes to women. You know, they lust after just one person or, you know, one girl that they really like. And the problem with that is that girls do not have that same mindset girls are chasing a very small number of guys whereas guys are chasing a much much um bigger number of girls however there are guys that get very stuck on one person when they get that mode and guys think that what they've been told is that if you just try harder if you try hard enough with one person that eventually you know they'll they'll come your way and they'll fall into what you want to you know they'll fall in love with you if you just keep pushing harder and try harder. And that's, I think, the trap of our, you know, I think that is the trap with adversity too, is that if you, you know, if you, if this woman is not attracted to you, but you keep trying and trying and trying, you know, you think that it will just, it'll show her that you care so much and that it's going to make you more attractive to her. It's just, it's not the case. And it's, it really the problem with it is it becomes a point of desperation and it's, it's not even that it's like, you know, one or two times. Like if you start, if it fails after, you know, one or two attempts, I would say, look, you just gotta, you gotta move on. And I wouldn't even, I say the second attempt shouldn't even be on the option table. I think it should just be like, fuck it. You know, 
you can shoot your shot, but just forget it. Like if, if she's not into you, she's, it's not going to be easy to change her mind. The only way you can really change her mind is if you level up dramatically. And at that point, it's going to take maybe another year or two of time. So you, you shouldn't even, um, be thinking about trying again for a while. And realistically, it's not even like you should be trying to shoot your shot with the girl. You almost need to let the girl come into your place, but you have to qualify her. So, like, you can be talking to a girl, flirting with her, but you need to qualify her to make it seem um, as though you're more high-value than her because women want to chase after high-value. So you need to remember that and recognize that early on. So as it pertains to adversity, guys, you're chasing too hard, and you need to stick to the plan. The plan is you improve yourself, you chase excellence, you man up today, okay? If you do those things, if you man up and you focus on yourself, women will notice. Women will follow you, okay? They'll start to come into your life more, and you'd be amazed by this. That all of a sudden, once you you'll you'll know when you've succeeded. Okay, you will know when you have succeeded when women start coming into your life more. When women that you haven't talked to for a while, and they see you, and they're going to be like, "Wow, like you've changed," or you know, they'll they'll start to recognize that you're not the same person that you used to be. And there is nothing that is more attractive to a woman than a man that has leveled up. There's nothing more attractive. And I'm telling you right now, you guys have to understand that kind of adversity. Of find, you know, And they say, oh, you need to find yourself and all this. And I think to an extent, yeah, maybe you should find yourself. But that doesn't mean you need to be going around for five, ten years of your life figuring out what the hell it is you want to do. Or, you know, just kind of fucking around, fucking off around and uh, playing video games eating a bunch of shitty food, not working out, not doing things that are going to help you in the long run or help you become a better man, you know, wasting that time, that valuable time of your life and saying, oh, that's my adversity. That's what I had to struggle with. No, I think that's a, I think that's a really shitty way to look at it. What you need to do is you, when I'm talking about adversity here, when I'm talking about adversity for my guys in my twenties or my guys in my teens, okay, this is the time where you should be grinding in the gym. This is the time that you should be grinding, you know, whatever your job is, whatever side hustle you have, you're going to skip a lot of the parties, you're going to skip a lot of the fun, okay, you're going to skip a lot of the things that other people are out doing, um, you know, the vices that people are in, involved with, you're going to skip out on all this stuff, and you're going to focus on your your purpose, your passion, your grind, and you may not know your passion or your purpose or your grind right away, but you need to be working on the things that when you do get that passion, that purpose, that grind, it's going to make your job much easier. And it's going to make it so, so, so much simpler, okay? All of these things are going to help you become a more successful person. If your adversity is one in which you work for six, seven hours, eight hours a day, doing a very high labor intensive job and then you come home and you work another two, three hours on your side hustle and after that, you know, you go to the gym for an hour and you're working out in the gym and if you do that, I guarantee you guys, if you do this, okay, if you follow that formula for a year straight, you would be amazed at what it is that you accomplish in that time, okay, in just, in just one year. 
Okay, so let me let me tell you what you all have accomplished. If you follow that that pattern, just in the, in those three things, and I'm not even talking about going out and experiencing different things in your life, but let's say if you were to just cut off all negative people, cut out any you know, don't go to any parties for a year, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do anything like that. You're just gonna work out for an hour a day. Okay, every day it doesn't have to be weights every day. It can be weights a few days a week, and it can be cardio a couple other days a week. Um, or it can be a mixture of that, whatever, okay? If you do those that thing there, if you work at, a, at your job consistently and then you follow that side hustle and keep working on it and growing it and building it, what you'll find is that you will have accomplished the following. You'll have a better physique, okay? At your job, you will have a much more focused attention on what it is you need to do, what it is you need to get done, you will have probably exceeded your expectations of your employer, of your manager, of your boss at your job. And there's very good chance that you'll end up getting a, a good promotion, a raise, or you'll be able to utilize whatever you accomplished to help you get a better paying job. Okay. If you, if that's what you're looking for. So you get an upgrade of some kind. Not only that, if you've worked on that side hustle for a year and you were consistent with it and you kept striving and struggling and figuring out a way to make it better. If you do work on that, okay, for two, three hours a day, next thing you know, all of a sudden you have more side income that you have maybe coming in, which may allow you, if you have some sort of business idea or plan, that you can be able to put that income into. Or better yet, you can use it for investment income. You know, you can start investing in different things. You can start owning properties and renting it out and generating more income. Do you see how this game works? This game is not just a one-sum game, okay? This is a this is a process. This is a lifestyle. And adversity is the way that you're going to have to go about this because I'm telling you guys now, you're going to have to give up things in life. There are things in life that you will have to give up if you want to be successful, there are things in life that are going to suck. There are going to be times in your life where you don't want to have to go to the gym because you're tired of shit. But if you want to become a better man, if you want to become a better person, if you want to become that alpha male that everyone should be striving to be as a man, there are things that you're going to have to give up. There are, you know, In business, they always talk about opportunity costs. You know, they say, oh, well, the opportunity cost of going to college is that you could have been working a job and making money in there. And that's true. That's a, that's an opportunity cost that, guys, you have to look at. You know, what's the value of going to college versus the value of starting, you know, work right away, going to a trade school? You know, these are things that you'll have to look at in your life and what it is you want to accomplish. But I think the biggest thing is you have to understand that that these opportunity costs do not just apply to college. They don't just apply to, you know, whatever job it is you're working, et cetera, et cetera. These opportunity costs apply to your everyday life, such as, do I want to watch this movie or do I want to spend two hours working on my side hustle? Do I want to watch this anime series that's always going to be there or do I want to work on this side hustle? Do I want to play video games for two hours do I want to work on the side hustle? Do I want to read this book? Or do I want to watch another 
you know, rewatch another Marvel movie that I've already seen 40 times. This is the kind of opportunity cost that you have to go through. This is the adversity you have to go through. Do I want to go to that party that all my friends are, you know, inviting me to? Or do I want to work on the side hustle? Guys, this is not a difficult thing to understand. And you're going to probably end up losing a couple friends over this. But if you want to become successful and if you want to change your life forever, if you want to become that alpha male, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to have to make decisions that some people will not like. Because you need to, and you got to learn this, is that you're going to have to be selfish. You're going to have to be selfish and you're going to have to tell a lot of people, look, I can't. I can't help you. I can't do this for you right now. I can't go to that party. I can't have fun right now. I have to struggle now in order to have fun later, in order to have fun further down in my life where I don't have to work, you know, until I'm 60. Because I, I know a lot of you guys, I don't know about you, I know for me at least, I don't want to have to worry about working a job that I don't like into my 60s when I could just be chilling, you know, or doing something else that I really enjoy, but I don't have to worry about, you know, working and get, keeping that income going because I have all this, you know, these different revenue sources coming in where I'm, I'm good to go, where I'm all set. I have my bills paid. I have all my things paid off. I have income that is coming in, paying for all these different liabilities that I may have in the future, these luxuries. So where I don't have to worry about, you know, I have this mortgage or I have this car payment or I have this, you know, whatever. All I know is, is that it's all taken care of. I can go have fun. I can do what I want to do. I can enjoy the rest of my life. I don't want to have to be working into my mid sixties to survive. That should not be my, my goal, my purpose, my passion. Cause at that point you're, you're almost basically fighting until you're dead and I think it, that that's just the wrong lifestyle to live at that point. And it, I think it's unfair to a lot of people that they have to live that lifestyle. And so, guys, I'm trying to tell you this now. You have the energy. You have the time. You have the health currently. A lot of you don't have the money. You need to sacrifice. You need to have adversity in order to become better, in order to become great. And... I think with that being said, I want all of you to go and, you know, I want you all to come up with a plan or a list of things that you have or that you do in your life that may be a hobby of yours that provides no realistic value. Um, and, you know, it may be a hobby, but I want you to maybe not be, it may be a hobby and it may not be a hobby. It could be something that you enjoy doing, like watching TV, um, playing video games, hanging out with your friends, going to parties. And I, again, I want to say this. I don't think that it's always bad to go hang out with friends or go to parties. But I think you have to be considerate and careful with how you spend your time. And I think that a part of that is knowing how do you spend your time and what purpose do you use that time for. But I think with that being said, make a list of these things, have them out, and have them ready, okay? And I, honestly, guys, I think if you haven't already, get a journal and do this. I think 
if you go and have a journal where you write down things every day, where you write down, like, let's say, things that you want to get accomplished in the day, or not only that, let's write down the things that I'm, I'm mentioning now, which is making a list of things that we have or that we do that aren't productive things with our time. I think it'll help us realize and really see what we're spending our time on. And I think actually a better way to do this now that I've, I've th- I thought about it, you should map out your 24 hours, what it looks like, and see where it is you're spending your time. Because a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. But I think a lot of people don't realize that's an excuse. And it's an excuse because they have time. A lot of people have time to go watch Naruto. But they don't have time to go in the gym and work out for an hour. A lot of people have time to go to a party and drink. But they don't have time to sit at home and study for whatever test they may have. A lot of people have time to do the fun stuff in life, but they don't have time to do the things that are going to make them better. That is, I think, what is so important to remember. I think that right there is what will make you a better man. Knowing what it is that you are spending your time on, and I think seeing it visually helps you understand because when you're in that moment and you just think about it, it's it's hard to kind of put into perspective Like, oh shit, I'm spending, you know, three hours of my 24 hours, okay? Like, let's do the math on this, okay? So let's say if you watch TV for three hours of your day, all right? So three divided by 24, that's one out of eight. So you're spending 12.5% of your day watching TV, all right? We already spend, most people spend, you know, seven to eight hours a day sleeping. So let's say if you spend eight hours a day sleeping, okay? That's a third of your day. If you're going to work at a job, okay, so another eight hours of your day. So 16 hours of your day out of 24, 16 out of your 24 hours are spent sleeping or at work, all right? That's just your your basic, you know, your, your job that you have, okay? That's your earned income. That's income that you're working and that you're doing to get, okay, that you physically have to be there for. All right, so you have eight hours for the rest of your day to figure out uh, how you're going to spend. Eight hours that you realistically, you know, in your current state where you are, that you have to figure out how can I spend this eight hours to the best of my ability. All right, so, you know, there are some things that you're going to have to have in there that you're going to need to do, you know, every so often. Time for haircut, time for going to the dentist, going to see a doctor, you know, those, those sort of things. Those are important. Okay, but, you know, let's just say for now, if you spend three hours on, you know, watching anime, watching TV, all right, that's three hours of your day. 12.5% of your day is spent on watching TV. Let's say another hour or two is spent on the phone. Okay, just looking through social media. All right, so five hours out of 24, you know, 21% of your day spent on social media, spent on TV, all right? So that means you have another, you have three hours left in your day to do something productive. And let's say, you know, if you cook for yourself or even if you go out to eat, let's say for three meals, let's say it takes you about two, three hours, 
right? So that's that's your 24 hours right there, folks. That's your 24 hours, okay? Eight hours sleep, eight hours work, three hours TV, two hours on the phone, on social media, whatever, talking to people, and then three hours eating food. That's your 24 hours. And I think that for a lot of people, what they don't realize is that this 24 hours that they're spending is not necessarily as productive as they think. And it's not as useful as they think. A lot of people now, you know, I think if you do that, what you'll see, and I think as men, we're, we're very good visual creatures. We can see things much better if, you know, we can kind of understand, I think, better analytically if we see it in front of our eyes. It's hard if we just say, oh, this is what we're doing. This is how it is. Like, or trying to think like how much time would do we like, oh, did I spend three hours doing this? You know, it's hard to recognize that. It's hard to realize that. And sometimes you can get distracted and caught up. And the next thing you know, you spent three hours doing nothing. So I think for a lot of you guys, you need to map it out. And I think you should do it for a week. Do it for one week and see where it is you're spending your time. And if you're spending 21% of your time doing something that's completely useless, then you need to find a way to change it. You need to find a way to change it and find a way to add something more productive to your life. That is adversity. Adversity is giving up the things that you don't want to have to give up, but you need to give up because it will help you in the long run be able to focus on something that is more important to your purpose, more important to your manhood, more important to you becoming a better man. Guys, with that being said, you know, I've talked for a while, uh, but I've, we've shared a lot of good things about how to overcome adversity. We've talked about a great story from one of the greatest NBA players of all time. And I think that we've learned quite a bit. And I want you all to go ahead and do the things that I've asked you to do and make that list, make that report, and really hold yourself accountable. Okay? So for a week, find out what it is that you've spent your time on. Okay? Map it out. Map it out every single day for a week, what you spent your time on. And then for the next week, after you've analyzed that, for that next week, I want you to try to change your habits, try to change your lifestyle, and see how much more productive you can be. And then utilize that and implement that into the rest of your life, okay? With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Man Up Experience with John the Don. Until next time.